All right, everyone. Welcome to Dom's Club, where I, your host, Dominique Mobley, interview groundbreaking filmmakers, television writers, authors, actors, comedians, and more. I'd like to welcome into the studio the amazing duo of Jermaine Johnson and Rembert Brown. Jermaine is a manager at Three Arts, where he manages such top-level talent as Rembert. Rembert is a talented writer, having written the Marvel comic Black Panther, World of Wakanda Number 6. Rembert also scored an exclusive interview with President Obama on Air Force One and was selected as a 2016 Forbes 30 Under 30 member. All right, without further ado, let's welcome manager Jermaine Johnson and writer Rembert Brown. Jermaine and Rembert, how are you? I'm wonderful, I think. Jermaine, how are you? <laughs> I was supposed to come to I was we were going to like maybe try to socially distance this whole thing, but you know, that <laughs> I'm glad you're happy and healthy. I'm glad everybody's happy and healthy. I'm fighting a good fight. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm tired. It's a Monday. But. So, Jermaine, I guess I'll start with you. What inspired you to become a talent agent? Um, well, I mean, I, it's not necessarily inspiration. I think I got to fortunately work as an assistant at, at Three Arts early. Like, I, you know, I've been at the company for about nine years. And when I started there, I worked for one of the partners. And that was seeing everything that he did, right? I think he, you know, he represented actors and writers and and um, comedians, stand-up comedians. So I got to kind of look at all of it and, and decide what I liked, what I didn't like, and to see if, you know, from that point of view of management was for me. And I really did, you know, he, he's one of the executive producers of Silicon Valley, so I got to see that show come together. And that was one of the things that really lead me into saying, oh, I want to be a manager. I want to represent writers and directors and people that can create the shows and the, and the movies and, and really kind of push the conversation forward with what they're able to put on the screen in the, in the spoken written word. So yeah. that's what That's incredible. Like was, I guess, what kind of drew you to representing a lot of writers in particular? It was, it was honestly, those were the people and, you know, not to take anything away from actors or directors, but to me, those are the people that have the most to say that are, you know, like Rem's a good example, that are the most curious about the world too, right? That are, that are so interested in, in how to really deconstruct, you know, to, at the risk of sounding heady, but like the human experience and figuring out, you know, what makes us tick, asking funny questions, you know, finding the humor that's inherent in the darkest points of life. And, and being able to translate that to the masses. And I feel like, you know, everybody can't do that, but writers are kind of uniquely tasked with that ability. Yeah, that's incredible. Rembert, so the next question is for you. Um, similar, what inspired you to become a writer, especially like in the world of journalism? I think it really, um, for me, I feel like most things stem from being an only child. Just like, I'm in my head all the time anyway. So I was like, you know what, like maybe, maybe someone else will be interested in these things that I'm thinking about. Um, but in actuality, it really was like, you know, once I got to college, I just started like finding myself in situations that made me want to tell my friends or tell my family or, you know, and increasingly just like tell strangers, you know, like I think that's really what um, inspired me. Like I, um, you know, whether it was like internships, like I always found myself like going to events or going to things and then like 
finding some weird thing to do there. Like everyone's like at the concert and I'm like <laughs> talking to the security guard <laughs> for two hours. I was like, this is clear, like something's wrong with me, but maybe I can repackage this into like a career. Uh, and that's kind of like, I think that's really where a lot of the inspiration came from. It's like, um, but a lot of it, even today, it still stems from um, feeling like I've been really privileged and blessed to surround myself with like, or be surrounded by lots of creative, interesting people and who like express themselves in lots of different ways. And I just happen to be like the one that, one of the ones that likes to write. <clears throat> so when I'm like writing, I'm like talking about what I think, but I'm also kind of trying to tell the story of like all the homies. Mm-hmm. Like, because <laughs> these are like, most of the things I write about are things that like have been discussed in a group text or in person or stuff. And then at some point it's like, you know what? I think there's enough here to like actually um, throw myself under the bus and <laughs> put this publicly. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that came way before like thinking of myself as like a journalist. Mm-hmm. Thinking of myself as a journalist was like, this is the way I get to write and have a career until I, you know, while I figure out what writing looks like. Mm-hmm. How long does it usually take you to write a piece? That is, God, I wish I had an answer to that. <laughs> um, it really, I'd say now, I'll never have like a real answer to that, but now I know how to get myself into like the best like headspace to at least like hope that it all works out. Mm-hmm. Like I know, like <clears throat> I'm not the type of person that like opens my laptop and it's like, cool, time to write. Like by the time I'm like actually writing something, I've probably like thought about it for like 20 or 30 hours. Mm. Just been like wandering around, like <laughs> thinking about it, calling Fred, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, like even stuff that happens, like for instance, like this weekend I wrote about John Lewis had not been thinking about John Lewis, like did not know John Lewis was gonna die. But when, like after it happened, I kind of sat for like a couple hours and just thought about it. But then also in those couple of hours, I was thinking about like the hundreds and hundreds of other hours that I've spent thinking about it. So like, Mm -hmm. I feel like like pieces just start writing like Mm -hmm. over time in in, in my head, just like not, unclear if they'll ever actually come out on paper it's just like huh this is some this is another thing that I'm kind of interested in I guess I'll just start thinking about this and then if the opportunity shows up as a journalist or as a writer my part of my responsibility is like being able to like get there mm-hmm. when it's time like when it's time to like pull up and write or like time to like do something like the, the whole point is that I've already been thinking about it. So mm-hmm. like, time to go. I feel like I can at least give it a decent effort. Yeah. When you said that you were the one hanging out, like talking with the security guard, it just made me imagine you at Green Key, like to the side while everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I just, I will say being at Dartmouth, a place like Dartmouth was very helpful because I was just like, what the hell is this place? Like, this is like the most opposite from Atlanta place I'd ever been. So I was just like, huh, 
Like <laughs> everything here is new. Like there's so many things to think about and write about. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's really cool. So Jermaine, you represented a variety of high profile talent, including Rembert. Um, what do you look for when deciding whether or not to represent someone? Voice, a voice and a point of view. And I think, you know, it's something you can't teach, right? Like I think Rem's lived a hell of a life. He's got a lot of life left, but like Rem's done a lot of fun, interesting stuff. He's, and he's not afraid to kind of just go say, oh, this is interesting. Let me go see what happens if I walk in the back door of this warehouse to this party. Um, not citing a specific incident, but you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> But but that's the whole point, right? I think, you know, it's easy. There's a lot of people that I've met that have that have been passionate about writing their whole life. They, you know, they said, I wanted to be a writer since I was six years old. I wrote for the school newspaper in high school. I went and, you know, got into all these writing programs at college. And now I'm here in, in Los Angeles and I'm a writer. And I'd say, okay, but what have you done? What's your point of view on the world? What, what have you experienced that has shaped what your writing is going to be about and they have no answers to that and i'm like well go go do other things you can't just commit your entire life to writing and not actually experience life because then you have nothing to write about mm -hmm. so for me it's always been about finding finding people that have a distinct point of view people that have lived a bit of a life oftentimes for me it, it, i seem to find that in people that come from that come from you know different backgrounds right they don't they don't come through the traditional paths of schooling they might be you know people that were journalists people that were novelists people that you know made a really great short film because they were scrappy enough to pull together the resources to do it and it came out great and smart and clever I, i'm happy to take a chance on those people so that's you know oftentimes those people are people of color because they weren't expecting to get into this business through their traditional pathways and that to me is exciting to find the people that are a little left of center um, the people you wouldn't traditionally expect and then showing them that their voice is important in this medium i just have to show them how to get there yeah that's so great too because like you were saying with diversity like i feel like by having more diverse voices you just get a broader range of storytelling and stories that can be told too yep yeah also um, another thing that jermaine said that reminded me is like <clears throat> um sometimes you have to like go like, <clears throat> like sometimes the like living of life is just very like, you know, natural. Other times you do have to like go like re-immerse, like immerse yourself. Like I, I remember like by the time I was like 26, 27, I legit was running out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> I was just like, all I was doing was writing. I like, like, you know, I was like, I need to like read some more books. Yeah. Like, I, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm citing like the same eight books. Like I need to go like do some stuff. I need to go like, like put the keyboard away, put the, um, you know, put the pen away and just like go outside. And mm -hmm. I think that's like really, um, I think something that I do think is true, especially for writers of color is like, once you get that platform, it's just like, it all comes out because you've been building this whole life expecting to never be able to say anything and then you get the moment and it's like holy shit like which is why you get a lot of young writers who have these like crazy two or three year runs <laughs> output because it's like holy shit you had a lot to say but then at some point you got to get more stuff to say yeah. if you want to keep doing this and that's yeah. something that I had to learn um that's uh, kind of in the middle of my 20s because I was like, oh man, like there will always be stuff to react to, mm -hmm. 
And, but that can also be like a crutch. It can be a little dangerous if you're only just like waiting for stuff to react to and you're not like looking for stuff or yeah. like finding stuff inside your head. So um, I do, and I, and I, I feel for, I mean, just like being lucky enough to know a good amount of folk that Jermaine represents. I feel like a lot of folk have that similar story mm-hmm. of like, I had a lot to say, now I gotta like zoom, like zoom out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, like figure out who I am again and then like get back out there again. Yeah. I'm sure that process is going to happen like five more times. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so yeah. Going out and experience stuff helps you shape your take, right? Like I think that's an interesting thing. There's always going to be a reactionary take on anything, right? Like everybody's going to have a reactionary take on Kanye West, on on Nick Cannon, on Terry Crews. But I think going out to your point, Ram, going out and, and kind of doing the work to like reimmerse yourself in in books and culture and whatever then shapes your take on that specific thing. So you're not in that that place of you know everybody has the same take right if you look at the at the internet especially when when remember when i first came across remember it was a lot of the things that you saw out in the space everybody had the same take and then there was remember's take <laughs> different take but it was a take that i vibed with but i realized wasn't like the common take so remember like jermaine said you've obviously had a wonderful career done a lot of stuff writing a range of stories for a lot of different mediums from a Marvel comic, Black Panther, World of Wakanda, which is really cool. I really want to read that because I loved the movie. Um, to an exclusive interview with President Obama on Air Force One, all the way to writing Rembrandt Explains America, Homeward Bound with Kevin Durant, and much more. What drew you to tackle these pieces in particular? I think, I, I mean, I, I think I'm still figuring this out, but clarity is happening. Like, um, once I kind of gotten like figured out a little bit of journalism, I was very clear like I I know what my my career is in like the business of words. Like mm-hmm. I I know that this is going to be true, but I'm not convinced that I'm just like a journalist. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of this was conversations with Jermaine, just like understanding what else is out there, um, and you know <clears throat> trying stuff to see what you want to do again trying like it's hard to there have been some situations that either I've put myself in or we've collectively put me in that like I'm like oh I'm so glad I did that so I know that I don't want to do it or I'm so glad that I did that so I know that I want to do more like writing that comic book was surprisingly like like it felt like a it was like a moment in time that it was like, it was cool and then it kind of disappeared and I was completely fine. But I like, that was like my first foray into like writing dialogue, mm-hmm. real. And that has stuck with me in so many other things, like from trying to write, write TV and movies to like, <clears throat> even at my day job writing like, you know, voiceover scripts and stuff like mm. that. Like, this is all stuff that I can draw a, like a direct line to writing a comic book. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think at a certain point, like, I'm, I'm beginning to get to a point where it's like, I feel like I'm like covering, I've covered lots of like surface area. I've, I've written lots of different types of stuff. Now it's time to like really hone in on like what I want to do because um, I have this sticky note literally on on my wall (laughs) I have lots of sticky notes on my wall but it literally says idea season is over over time to work 
Because <laughs> literally, like, I could just sit here and come up with ideas forever. Mm -hmm. Like, at some point, you got to just do something. Mm -hmm. I could just, you know, like, um, and obviously, like, a, a point, like, quarantine for me has been very, like, whoo, like, uh, it's, it's I, I'm kind of treating it like a year off to kind of, like, really, a year off from, like, having to go out and do stuff. Because <laughs> that'll come back again, like, the social like in in real life aspect of this work will come mm. back so i'm like while i don't actually have to go do anything let me try to like yeah. write stuff and get some stuff on paper um so yeah i think um all that's true but when it comes to like tackling the pieces i just i really think of it like they all feel like contributions to like the culture like mm -hmm. I used to really think that like success meant like eventually being like number one like I have to be I'm going to be I ha like like I have to be like the next Tanahasi or like my career is a failure you know like mm -hmm. you know like it's very just like being at the top being at the top and I still like have that inside of me like I still like drives me but I'm more like I look at some of these things I'm like ultimately I'm just trying to like I want to do this forever like and I think that's one that's extremely hard like every year that I'm still like kind of on the internet I'm like oh you know, like, it's not a given. It is not a given. So I, t I don't take that for granted. So I really just think about it as like, I want to do some things that feel like are contributing, you know, mm -hmm. and I wonder if I, if I can do a couple things that contribute every year, like for 50 years, like I'm, I'm good, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't have to be the most famous person in the world. I don't have to be known by everyone. It's just like, is the stuff that I'm making and increasingly like there like increasingly I feel like there will be like a certain type of type of thing that I make instead mm -hmm. of just like doing anything so mm -hmm. you know I, it's, I'm still figuring it out you know and I've almost been doing this for 10 straight years like as a as a career which is insane mm -hmm. but oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just like trying to find spaces that I feel like I and uniquely positioned to write about them. Mm -hmm. I could write like a war movie. I like I really could. Like I promise I could. But mm -hmm. like right now, <laughs> I'm more interested in speaking to things that I feel like I have already spent so much time thinking about. And I mm -hmm. wanted to bring some of those things to life. Yeah. I feel like there's so much power though in your ability to be able to write in so many different mediums. Like voiceover work with comic books with journalism like I feel like almost like I don't even know if you have to limit yourself I mean obviously I'm not like <laughs> but like I feel like you don't even have to limit yourself if you do so well at all of those things I think you the the big reality is like time mm -hmm. the issue is you can't start doing stuff poorly mm -hmm. like you part of the whole get thing about being around forever for a long time is like you can't dip below the bar mm -hmm. that many times like especially yeah. in a row mm -hmm. you like you could only have one rock la familia album <laughs> yeah you gotta you can't just like yeah you can't 
Yeah, you gotta like, but that is very different than saying like you can't take chances and you have to be perfect. Like that, no, you know, like perfection is not real, but you gotta, yeah, it's like they're, they're, I have like a line, like a, like a bar of excellence that like I can't dip below. And the only times I ever start to approach dipping below is if I'm like so stretched thin that I'm not doing anything well. Like, mm-hmm. and so like that is like, I think when, when you have like the world to some degree at your disposal, it's awesome, but it's also really difficult because mm-hmm. sometimes it can be like, oh, I want to do everything that it becomes kind of like paralyzing and you don't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why the sticky note stays on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So Jermaine, um, a lot of the top management companies still have very few managers of color, though many have stated their commitment to hiring people of color. That being said, how have you used your place as one of the only black managers in Hollywood as a positive in your career rather than a negative? Um, I mean... I've always felt like it's a positive. I think it, it allows me to see the world and creators and talent in a different way, right? And it allows me to advocate for them in a different way, right? The, you know, there's particularly when it comes to not just the creative, but the actual brass tacks business of getting people paid what they're worth. And mm-hmm. I think there's often this this sense um, among among especially young creators of color um, and even ones that, you know, kind of have 10 years in the business of just being happy to be here, right? There, there's mm-hmm. an idea of just saying like, you know, smile and nod, you're lucky to be one of the few. And I mean, you know, I'm very much of the mind of that's not enough. Like I, you know, it's a lot, <laughs> it, stems, it stems a lot from my mother, but, <laughs> but that is just to me, it's like, no, you're worth X amount. There are comparable people in this space that are white people that work, that, that you are at the level, if not above, and they're getting paid this much. So your deal needs to be at least at that level, if not better, because you are telling better stories at a higher level. So to me, that's, that's a big plus for me as, as one of the few people of color, especially in management, is that I, I have no problem letting my clients know what they're worth and when they're, not, when they're not being offered the appropriate deal for their place in this business. And I think oftentimes, you know, when you're a creator, when you are focused on doing the art well, right? When you remember you're working on the creative and making sure that that is, is in line with your, with what you want to say and your voice, it's easy to just see a deal come through and say, well, that feels like a lot of money. That feels like something I should just say yes to. And to have somebody uh, of color in your corner saying, no, 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 that's, <laughs> that's, you know, I was going to make a reference to the, you know, bad boy in the locks, but I was like, you know, like, <laughs> not slander diddy he's he's having a good run no, leave it alone <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's so true though like there were definitely times when the process of getting a young person of color especially a young black person to like truly understand their worth can be a really hard process because I'm just, you know, in the beginning, I'd be like, yo, like, like, basically, I'd be like, yo, Jermaine, chill, like, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get these white people to like me, <laughs> and Jermaine was like, <laughs> and I was like, you know, you're right, yeah. you're right. They already like you, now they gotta pay you. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, it's, there is, 
we all have like our different types of like imposter syndrome and you know all of this stuff and but yeah I mean I remember those moments so much which is like which is so funny because like as a writer I can be so brazen and bold and just be like you know just like me against the world when it starts coming to money it's like oh please can I <laughs> <laughs> May I have a crumble of of, <laughs> or, of your money, and it's like that. But like the beauty of it is like having like having someone like Jermaine in my corner. Uh, hopefully, creates more Jermaines. But it also like I can then for folks like years before they may even be at a place, I can start like getting this in their head that mm -hmm. like know your work stuff like that can start seeping in like early instead of like when the first contract shows up in your email. It's like mm -hmm. you can already have been in a know your work type of um, <clears throat> mindset. But you know, it's, for some folks, it's like, for some, for some folks, it's like really, it's a difficult process to get. And I can't imagine getting there with someone that just like, you know, I've always thought like, one of the reasons like I love me and Jermaine work is like we like we're kind of fell off the same tree we just did two different we just went about it two different ways you know like yep that, I mean that's the I mean that goes back to the what I was saying about like writing it's just like I feel like I'm a part of like <clears throat> a generation and a culture that like all kind of has their eyes on the same prize it's just like if we were all doing the same thing we'd be screwed like we all we have to be everywhere mm -hmm. So like, that's what I think is super awesome about this. Yeah. And I think bo what both of you guys are doing is so important and also inspiring to so many young people of color because for them to be able, for us to be able to see like, okay, there's Rembert, who's like a writer, like this big time writer, like somebody, you know, somebody black who's doing journalism or comic books or anything. Um, like I know I have a cartoon in the Dartmouth. So like, I'm like, oh, there's somebody else, you know, who's making, yes, there's somebody else who's making that. <laughs> yes. um, and then to see Jermaine, like you, um, representing black people at such a high level at such a, like a prestigious management company like that I know I'm inspired by that so I'm sure like a lot of other people are too that's awesome that's all I mean that's all we can hope for really and truly and it's like you forget especially in the moment that like there is like some quiet revolution in just your existence right you're just like oh shit like me just actually being in the world shows that there's a bunch of other young black kids that are like, oh, I can be on the business end of things or, mm -hmm. or oh, you know, for Rembrandt's case, like, oh, I can be a journalist, write a graphic novel, write a movie, write a book, write, write a TV yeah. show. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is funny because it's like, it's not so dissimilar from like <clears throat> the, the 30 people like that were part of our like Black History Month program that we all had. It's like, <laughs> wait, Mae Jemison? I could be an astronaut. <laughs> You know, Ben Carson, ooh, uh, so like, <laughs> so, but you know, I mean, I think the beauty of it is like, there's, the whole point hopefully is that there's not like, what's being, what's happening now is not, so there's like one of each somewhere. Like, I love being a black writer because I spend my day talking to like 20 other black writers. And it's not, the competition is in like, oh shit, like that was really good. I gotta go do something good too. Mm -hmm. Like it's the pushing each other competition. Yeah. It's not like, yo, like, damn, like 
popping. They're popping right now. How do I handle this? <laughs> you know, so. It's weirdly the same on the exec side, right? Like, funny, yeah. like we're always, we're always just kind of pushing each other forward. And there's, yeah, there's managers that I compete with, but it's all, it's all friendly, right? We're, you know, I've been, I've, I've had managers, you know, sign somebody that I really wanted to sign. But when I find out who it was, I'm like, oh, I like, <laughs> I'm like, you're in good hands. You're fine. <laughs> I like, I know, like, I know that as long as you didn't go to some crazy person that just doesn't get your experience, fine. But if it's like one of the homies that outsigned me, like, <laughs> like I, I, yeah, you love to see it. You hate to see it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like you both should go into comedy because you both are very funny. I don't know. Jermaine, <laughs> let's, let's go on tour. Let's do a, let's, let's do a versus. <laughs> I want to be babyface though. <laughs> yeah, my internet. Yeah. So remember, what was it like back in 2016 being chosen as a Forbes 30 under 30 member? You know, I think um, the like I'm very careful to not like undersell things like this, just because they're not that um, they don't like affect my day to day. I'm like I'm 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 very I love um, certain type of accolades. Um, I. This was cool because, like, one, I was like, okay, cool. Like, people know that I'm not 30 yet. <laughs> that's like kind of a flex, <laughs> you know? Like, I was like, yeah, like I'm 28. <laughs> like, that's right. Um, and, you know, like, I do know for a lot of folk, like, this is the type of thing you see in like their Twitter bio or something like that. <laughs> I try to, I, I don't know, like, I have like a very, um, it's not why I write, so I, it's always nice to, like, have your work and knowledge, um, but, you know, just in terms of where that falls on my list of, like, things that I, like, hold close, I, you know, this is something that's, like, decided on by you know a committee i'm i'm much more interested in kind of like the court of public opinion type like acc not not accolades just like acknowledgement mm -hmm. stuff um it's very funny i uh i'm very i'm i've always even while working at twitter i um have always like gone out of my way never to be verified um <laughs> and it's like Part of it is me being obnoxious, but the other part is like, I'm not actively trying to like remind folks that I'm like different. Yeah. Like I'm that I'm that, that I'm like up here. Yeah. You know, like that goes kind of against the whole point of the work, which is to like, I'm trying to tell our story. Like not like I'm up here trying to tell y'all a story that I think is cool. So, you know, I'm, um, I definitely have like, um, when things like this happen, I, it, it's like a nice thing that I think keeps me going. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be straight up, like the other aspect of accolades is that like, it, it, it opens up doors that you weren't even really thinking about, but like just by nature of sometimes having things like this, like other situations just get a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So I do acknowledge that as um, as a truth, but you know, I, I definitely like when things like this happen. I like to like nod my head and be like, "Awesome, cool!" Like, <laughs> like what's next? Like, yeah, what's, what's yeah, yeah. When you got, was, are you expect? Did you expect to get the Forbes thirty under thirty? Did you wake up and they were like, "You're a member"? Honestly, like this might this might ruin some of the allure of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but someone who was on it the year before was like I think you should be on it I was like okay um so like it's like a nomination so like I appreciate that like like it that was like a very cool thing to yeah. like be like again like because that's like an acknowledgement from yeah from someone that you respect and a friend so like when it happened that way there was no there was no assurance that I would get on this list, but I was like, that's like one, like, thank you for thinking about me. That's very awesome. And if it, if that happens, cool. Like, you know, I didn't get any, like, I checked my bank account. I didn't have any <laughs> money in there. Um, so like, <laughs> so, you know, I, I was, I, I didn't know. I didn't, I was like, is this like the skulls? Do I get like a Lambo, like, uh, like a custom license plate? Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it was, you know, just seeing the, like, 2016, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, like, four years ago, because... Like, you've, been, you've been not under 30 for a minute. I was like, wow, like, <laughs> 30 under 30, that's back when, before I was 30. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, Jermaine, for you, what was it like being selected as a winner of the inaugural Shadow and Act Rising Awards last year? Um, that was tight. That, wait, what? That was tight. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. it I mean, my favorite part, my favorite part is that it's our people, right? Like mm-hmm. Shadow Next has been around forever and they cover the stories that, you know, they, they cover the image awards, right? It always, it always annoys me that like, I mean, maybe Deadline and Hollywood Reporter finally caught up in the last two years, but they didn't really cover the image awards. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, the Shadow and Act, they, they've covered, they've covered everything that we care about and they've done it despite all Thank the industry outlets saying you shouldn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's that's what I love about them. So that was really, really special to me. And then, you know, to kind of look at it in a macro sense that, you know, uh, Blavity Inc. bought them. Macro macro has a stake in Blavity, right? Just to see how many yeah. Black entrepreneurs were involved in putting together this thing. And it was such a beautiful ceremony. And every, it was like a family reunion. Going to like the, 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 the luncheon that they had was just... You know, we all—it was legitimately like a family reunion where, but everybody was dressed very nicely, <laughs> <laughs> and and that was nice to be able to just go break bread and just hug some people that you know you haven't seen in a minute, some people that you're just like a fan from afar, and you realize that like they know who you are too, and you're just like, oh, what's up, cousin? So it was great. I, I will say it was great. I you know I just hope weirdly enough I just hope to be invited back to the next one. I don't need to get a, another statue. <laughs> want to go and see everybody and, and celebrate people yeah for that award were you expecting to receive that or was it a complete surprise uh it was it was a, i mean you know just before the lunch i had to call and invite you but it was a surprise it came out mm-hmm. of, it really came out of left field um and when they just kind of reached out the editor-in-chief reached out brooke and she said hey we're putting together this thing and you know we want to honor you and then you know here's the people that the, the company that you're in and I was just flattered. And I said, you know, she said, if you're available, we'd love to do all of, you know, there was an itinerary. She goes, if you're available, we'd love to. And I said, yeah, of course. I'm where, where do you need me? Like, I'll be there whatever <laughs> days you need. I, I appreciate it. So um, I had like a, a, maybe a, 
a week or three of a heads up and then there's a whole event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so exciting. And I actually, I was reading an article with you around the time, like I think it was October this past year, around the time it happened. And I read that you were talking about just the importance of having diversity and not like you were saying, be like a one-off thing where there's one person or like, this is just a moment. So I thought that was really awesome too. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. That's the, you know, Rem and I speak often. I speak to a lot of my clients and peers and, you know, I'm just constantly, the business is a lot of talking. I will say this. The business, <laughs> the business is a lot of talking. Um, so the conversation that we're seeing be so, so kind of prescient now is a conversation that Rembrandt and I have been having for years. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure we had it in our first meeting. Yeah. It's a conversation I've been having with my peers for years. It's not, you know, it's just a little more zeitgeisty now, but mm-hmm. it's the work we've all been doing and we're going to continue to do after it's out of the news cycle. Yeah. No, that's incredible because I, so I, I also like write some things. So when I, it was interesting because I've always been since like high school, like, oh, I want to tell stories that are like about black people, especially black women. So it was crazy. Cause like, I was just thinking the other day, I was like, that was, I mean, I graduated like two years ago from high school. And so it's crazy just to think like, I still am interested in telling those same stories. And then, like you said, it suddenly became popular to do that. But it was like, I've been interested in this since, like, you know, I was like 14 or so. So I think that's so, I mean, true what you're saying. I'm glad to hear that. Go ahead, I also think just like, <clears throat> for better and for worse, like, any story that you have, like, the moment to tell it will, will present itself. Like, like, no lie, I've been wondering when... I was going to tell Jermaine, you read the John, Le- John Lewis thing? Yes. Yes. I've been, my entire company, by the way. I appreciate that. Yep. Um, I've been wondering when I was going to get to tell a story about tying that tie so poorly for 15 years. <laughs> like I've just been like, I've just known that it, there was something in there that was like really wonderful and tried to like force it in a, like another time. And it was just like, you know what? Like, you have to tell Dominique the story now, because like I know the story. <laughs> yes, sorry. So I when I was when I was a it was my sophomore winter at yeah. Dartmouth. I went to DC and interned on the Hill. And being from Atlanta, I was like, I want to meet John Lewis. And uh, emailed him. His uh, his chief of staff got back to me. It was like, you have thirty minutes to meet John Lewis. I was like freaking out. Uh, <laughs> and spent like the 15 minutes before meeting him somehow just like forgetting how to tie a tie. <laughs> I was just like, just shaking and ended up tying this just absolutely, what, what are you gonna say? 2011 first round draft pick. Yeah, yeah, I literally looked like, yeah, like for the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> but like my tie was down to like my knee and like I got a photo and it's the photo that my mom framed in my house. So every time I walk into my living room, I have to see this terrible tie. Um, but like, again, it's just, that's like obviously like a light, funny story to like put into a serious moment. But I just like assume like, either the moment's gonna open up or you can like, you'll have a moment where you are just gonna make the moment yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, th- there's a good side, but there's also the bad side. Like when you're writing stuff, you're also just like doing like, basically like making like little time capsules, mm-hmm. little timestamps. Like I wish that writing about Ferguson 
in 2014 wasn't relevant right now. Mm-hmm. But literally, people were just like pointing to this piece all, <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, that sucks. But it's, it, I'm, it, it, it reminds me of like why we do this, why mm-hmm. we write things. Because like, there's rarely shit that's just new. It's mm-hmm. like typically related to something else that if we had paid attention more the first time, we might not be in the situation again. And a mm-hmm. lot of times the way we like finally like are like, okay, maybe we should change. It's like, you go back and read some stuff. Yeah. Go back and look at some stuff. It's like, this isn't new. This actually was really not long ago. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. So uh, a question for both of you, what's been the most difficult challenge you faced in your client's success in the world of entertainment um, or for you, Amber, in journalism? Uh, I mean, I, I, I would just say <laughs> general poverty. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> the, act, the actual idea of living in LA and trying to make it in a business that, that feeds off of like a permanent impoverished class. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like there's a whole level of, um, you know, and it's not everywhere. Like I, I'm actually happy to, to say that, you know, we're finding we're finding ways to to compensate our assistants and our support staff more in line with what is a livable wage. And I think there's a lot of other places around town that are starting to do that. But when I was new to this business, it was just, this is the money. <laughs> this is the money everywhere. And, and sure, if you can figure out how to pay your bills off that money, great. But <laughs> you, if you get a flat tire or anything bad happens, you know what I mean? Like a ticket, it'll ruin your year. And, and working through that, you know, I think there's a lot of people, especially my age and older, that will look back at it with, with this kind of fondness and say, well, you know, I figured it out. I, I figured it out through that and I can make it through anything. But there's also a level of like just real high anxiety of the tightrope that you're walking during that time when, yeah, any, any bill that is over like $100 that you weren't already prepared for could just throw everything off balance in a way that's detrimental to your career because you're worried about whether or not you're going to be able to put food in your plate and you got to go to work and put on a smile and be like, all right, you know, I'm making all these moves. And so to me, I think just that has been like the hardest, you know, was the hardest. I thankfully, you know, I found my way through it all and I'm proud of what I was able to do, but easily the hardest part was just having to find a way to make a livable wage in a place like Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I lived in New York, so like I had my own issue over there. I think, um, I think, you know, I one hard thing is people equating success online with success in your wallet. <laughs> um, oftentimes, they probably run opposite <laughs> like sometimes they're just like the same sometimes it's like oh you're really popping you're really out here that means you really don't have anybody you know like, um but you know i think a hard thing for me is like finding that balance like i can't be like a pure 100 percent like creative i don't have to like take care of myself you know and like my my you know my home and my family and like my my health and all these other stuff and like i know that you know i i I love the fact that i i do feel like i can um you know i can create things that like 
help me take care of myself. Like that's like a really, it's really empowering. I mean, this kind of goes back to, you know, it's part of the beauty of being a writer is like, it's, if you can figure it out, it's, it's kind of hard to like act your way out of poverty, <laughs> you know? Cause you, you, you need someone to write the words for you, you know, like, <laughs> like at my scrappiest, I've been able to just like find a collection of odd jobs that equals the number that I need to hit that month. You know, it's not cute and it's not pretty. Um, And those moments in my life built character that I was not even asking for, but it showed up and now it's with me. Um, But yeah, it's like, I think a hard thing for me is like, you know, like it's a, the professional world, is not different than all the other worlds where like people grew up different and people have different fallbacks and like, you know, you know, things where I'm like, whoa, that was a big check. Oh yeah. I'm a whole bunch of student loans forever. (laughs) You know, like, like these are the things that just like it, like even when people like have like been like, oh damn, like you probably like you made it. I was like, let me open Fed loan for you. <laughs> like, like I have put my, I'm putting myself in a position to make a real dent in my loans. You know, like that's, you know, so like I just think thirty under thirty check income. <laughs> yeah, like, like they did not reach out to Dartmouth. Like they did not reach out to Columbus. Like they didn't do nothing. They just, they, you know. Um, so, I think being, again, this is part of like the career that I've wanted for myself, which is like, I think one part of my saving grace is like, I never really had like that, like zero to 100, like no one knew who you were. You were like famous and like you were in, you know, like, <laughs> I've had like a very gradual, slow, like kind of climb, which I think was right for like, anxiety and health and all these other things so it like allow I feel like it allows me to also think about stuff where it's like if I'm thinking about this in slow climb mode like I'm also I don't have to suddenly like right now like do the thing that's the grand slam that like rescues me it's like I'd rather just like keep on an upward trajectory um but yeah I mean the money I hate thinking about the money stuff, but I have to. And I think that's, that's hard because I think a lot of folks don't have to. Mm-hmm. And it's just a part of being black is like, you know, your job isn't just your job. Just walking outside isn't just a walk outside. Like nothing can just be as simple as the work. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's just, it's just a, I don't, I don't even know if it's difficult at this point. It's just part of life. It's just like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Like, you know, there's, there's the thing in front of you and then the two things behind it. Like Mm -hmm. that's part of everything. Mm -hmm. What um, caused you to move to New York, I guess, right after, was it when you went to journalism school or was like, did you stay there after? Oh, I I went to, um, I graduated. Um, It was the middle of the recession. Um, I had a job. I went on a road trip for three months. Um, When I came back from the road trip, um, I had no job. Uh, and I'd already signed a lease in New York. Um, and yeah, I mean, New York's where everyone was moving. I was not a part of the Boston, um, delegation uh, of graduates, um, as evident by many things. Um, and so I was like, yeah, let's, 
let's try out in New York. I never, I didn't go to journalism school. I just wrote for the paper. That was our journalism school. But when I was in college, it was kind of like the first wave of folk that really were like, maybe we could be bloggers. You know, <laughs> like our entire masthead were people that just went on to be blo- like reporters and bloggers. None of us knew what we were doing, but we were like, writing for the paper's fun. Like, you know, like I knew if the things I was writing were good or funny or not, because literally, I think the year after I graduated, they, they finally moved stuff online. So literally I would be in the dining hall and people would just like, have my stuff open. And I'm if the cafeteria is laughing, I did it. If the cafeteria like read it and then closed it, I was like, ah. next week. <laughs> it was like my first Twitter. It was like, I was like, these are my retweets right now. Like, yeah. like people laughing, people like it. Okay. Um, that's yeah, that's why um, I don't think New York is a place you have to. I don't think New York or LA are places you have to ever live, but they definitely bring you the people that often are going to end up being really important just in terms of, you know, I love my, I love the online relationships that I, that, that I've um, developed. But at some point I'm like, if this like, like we should like meet, like we should actually like <laughs> meet in person and like do this for real. And being in New York in my twenties or being in LA or coming to LA, like it's just easier to, to begin to build those real kind of like lifelong, like people that I used to just like party with are now like still writers and are like the people I talk to, like the most trusted people. Yeah. You know? Just cause we were kind of just into the same stuff in the same city. Um, mm-hmm. Our careers also were kind of secondary. Um, so Jermaine, what's the best thing to you about being a manager? The first job. The first job you get somebody is always the best thing. I think mm-hmm. that's the, the, the moment where they realize that I wasn't full of shit and that when I told them that like, hey, you can have a, a career <laughs> in this business is like my favorite, my favorite moment. There's nothing that beats it. I'm sure there's like other great moments along the way, but there's nothing that beats that first moment. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You, how do you like, decide what projects you want to send your clients way? I mean, it's this level of they trust my taste, right? Like, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, um, Robert and I, you know, we've known each other for a long time. So we, you know, he knows I'm not going to send him anything that's whack. And if I send him something that's like iffy, it's because there's like good elements, you know, I'm like, hey, there's some good elements. There's an opportunity here. This part might be a little, a little uh, iffy. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, let's talk it out. Check, check it out. Let me know what you think. And then we'll talk it out and decide if we want to move forward or not. Um, and then outside of that, it's just, you know, again, it's just the judgment call. Like the people that I work with, we often see, we often see the world very similarly, or we understand certain things about the world. We may disagree, but we still understand certain things about the world. So I'm never going to send, you know, remember, um, I'm not going to say, Hey, you want to go work in the writer's room for Superstore? No offense, Superstore. Superstore is a good show for a certain group of people and their audience, but that's not, that's not the kind of stuff that remember jams on. It's not really stuff that I jam on. So why would I, I would never just send it to him just like, oh, this is a good check. I'm like, nah, creatively, you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. So that, that really is where the bar starts for me. It's about creatively, do I feel like you'll dig it? We'll figure out the money. Mm-hmm. But if I feel like you'll spark to it the way that I spark to it, then I'm going to send it to you. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess that also comes probably from understanding their voice, right? Like knowing, okay, like it might be good for this person, but this person, not their kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So remember, similar question, what's the best thing to you about being a writer? Writing is terrible. I need you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> 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 
Um, I, I, I mean, I, I genuinely, I genuinely love it. Like, it is, it is my ideal way of communicating. Like, I used to think I wanted to be a politician. I used to think I wanted to be a lawyer. I used to think I wanted to be a teacher. These are all things that, like, I loved, like, I definitely could have done and, like, definitely could have thrived in. But, like, I know this is just me. Like, I feel like writing is, like, me at my most, you know, clear-headed. And, like, I, I... I like talking out loud, I like speaking, I like doing this, but there's something about like taking the whole world and like distilling it into like this like digestible thing for you to read and deal with and you know, or even write something that can then come to life and be visual. Like these are all things that um, I just feel very, I just feel very lucky to have like, found something that I'm like I, I believe that I'm good at you know like I don't think that's a given and have to have the thing that I think I'm best at actually be the thing that <clears throat> while torturous I don't I I, I want to go do the next day mm-hmm. like like I'm, I'm doing a blog every day every morning I wake up and I'm like this is the worst decision I've ever made <laughs> I hate writing. Why am I doing this? And then by the time I'm done, I'm like, I'm so glad I did this. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's how I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm still trying to figure out like the the mediums to tell the stories that Mm -hmm. I do. And I don't, I only see that getting more interesting as time goes on. Like I definitely see myself still as a journalist, but I don't. That, that's because at any moment I can go back and be a journalist. Like mm-hmm. just in terms of like, I can jump back into that world mm-hmm. and write a piece of journalism. Mm-hmm. But I really do think of myself as just like, I'm, there are just lots of different ways to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. And to think that everyone's gonna just come to the website that I work at is it feels sometimes like limiting because like I want to reach folks in other ways you know like I you're telling me that folks are watch, watching tv a lot I'm like hmm I should, be, I should, I should probably write some tv you know <laughs> like 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 oh oh the oh the the kids like comic books I should probably write some comic books you know like I, I like I like meeting the people halfway you know um if it feels funky and interesting so Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because you said like you originally thought you might want to be a politician or a teacher, but I feel like as a writer, you can almost embody those roles. Like you're teaching, you might be educating people when they read what you wrote or even like talking about being able to talk about politics or to share your ideas. I feel like that definitely can achieve that. Yeah. I mean, this is my way of being involved in politics without everyone in my business. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I thought I like it wasn't that I was interested in politics. It was like, I was going to be the mayor of Atlanta. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, let's just do this. Like, why not? Like, like I get my homie Mike, he could be chief of staff. <laughs> but I was like, oh, like, again, I was like, 
is that the life that I want to live? Like, I already feel 10 times more under the microscope than I ever would want to be normally as a writer. So I'm like, like, the thing I can control, I can try to control is like, and I did lose some control of this for a while, but I feel like it's coming back. It's like, you know, once your face really gets out there, Mm -hmm. it's hard to have people, you know, unknow who you are. Um, I'm much more interested in people like really being into like my work and like pop in, throw some work for everyone and like disappear for six months. Like that's much more my style now versus six years ago where I was like, if I take a day off away from your, the front of your mind, you will forget about me. So I have to like be in your face all the time. So it's just, it's been interesting to watch how just even for me, what like what success looks like or what um you know influence mm-hmm. looks like because that the the clip that I was once at in terms of like you know like needing to do stuff to remind you of my like cultural influence like mm-hmm. I was like I'm gonna burn out I gotta get out. I gotta stop you know like that was going fully against my plan of like being around forever for yeah. like time it's like I'd rather I'd rather roll the dice on hoping you're still interested when I come back yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense so you both have already shared a lot of wonderful advice is there any other advice you guys would give to aspiring managers or aspiring writers so I I I really think that um the community that you build around yourself is like so important like I really don't think trying to go about this alone (laughs) is the right way um I think there's no amount of talent that can you know make up for just like having you know we used to call it like back in the day I would be like like I would get someone to edit my piece but I would also get like I need a black person to read this (laughs) edit (laughs) because like you know, like, it's not that, like, my editors can handle it, but sometimes you need another point of view, which mm-hmm. is, like, am I going too hard right now? <laughs> or, like, am I not going hard enough? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, you need, like, having folks that are just, like, understand what you represent, mm-hmm. it can be, like, okay, this is the time to, like, do it. Like, put the foot on the gas. This is the time, like, that's, you're just mad right now. Just, like, <laughs> just sleep that one off, you know? Because we're in it, and we just want to, like, it's, it's there's so many emotions and like having people around you that like I feel like we're all res- we're all trying to make sure we all can just like keep doing this you know mm-hmm. like from like just conversations to keep an ear like your ear out for work like this like it doesn't I think there are enough people now that realize that like that no one's gonna be who they like should be alone like this is like a group this is a movement of folks like 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 really pushing through all of these industries and making new industries for themselves and like but it's like there anytime that i'm like really things are firing on all cylinders i really feel like i have the hot hand like that's my reminder to like hit pause (laughs) turn around and be like, like, is there any, like, 
can I pull now? Like, mm -hmm. can, I, can, I, can I bring everyone to like level five? We were all in level four. Someone accidentally let me in level five. Like <laughs> now, like before I get to level six, I need to make sure at least they're at level five, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I think that is something that I feel, I feel myself doing, but I also feel like there have been moments when stuff was not going well for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I looked around and someone was like, hey, like, I got you. Like, let's, you know, this is mm -hmm. a fun, let's get out of this. Or like, yeah. it's hard, but like, you know, let's take six months and let's figure out the next plan, you know? So I, I really think just a community, and then two, like, <laughs> just like don't, I'm, I'm perhaps like giving too much information to my <laughs> own like mistakes. But just like, don't, even when you're broke, don't spend too much time without just checking in to see how broke you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really important. Sometimes I'd be like, you know what? If I see this number, it's just gonna make me so sad. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just not gonna look at the number. I'm just gonna keep, I'm just gonna keep writing. I'm gonna keep doing my thing. I'm like, yo, just, just don't run from the things that are chasing you. Like mm -hmm. that is like the broad thing. Like, like chances are there will be some fed on your back, whether it's <laughs> loan folk or something else, just like, just answer the phone and just like, cause I, I feel like so many things that I dealt with, like, in like, like once things start, once I started to figure things out, I was like, yes, this is awesome. And then I turned around and like the demons of my early twenties were just like, okay, <laughs> like, glad you made some money, time to deal with us. And it's like, damn, I could have, I could have just like, dealt with that a little bit in the moment it wouldn't um be so sad in this triumphant moment where mm -hmm. i got my first paycheck here you go <laughs> um so i and I, just, I i i i say that especially like to black folk just because money shit is just it's it's unavoidable and it's often unfair but pretending that it's just going to magically go away is it's never gonna happen so like just beginning to figure out like how the reality of your situation can fit into having tremendous ambition you know like it never lowered my ambition it was just something that i had to deal with you know mm -hmm. and i wish i would have maybe begun dealing with it like four or five years earlier mm -hmm. so that, that would be for a profession that you can't stop thinking about money mm -hmm. uh, because freelancing is such a big part of it. And even if you're not freelancing, like chances are you're not getting what you probably need to, to be comfortable. Just like trying to normalize talking about money, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of it, it's hard. That is actually, that is something I'm glad you brought that up, Ron. That's something that I, like I find myself doing a lot on my side as well. You know, I feel like we, we've all, started to get more comfortable as executives with talking about money and salaries and expectations and all of those things that we've dealt with in 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 kind of progressing our career so that we all understand whether or not we're getting 
underpaid. None of us are getting overpaid. I'm telling you that much right now. <laughs> but we know if we're getting underpaid, if we're getting adequately paid, if there's things that we should be asking for in our respective deals that we haven't asked for. So that, I mean, that's a high level uh, thing that I, to your point, Rem, permeates the whole community. We just need to get more comfortable talking about money and, and how and how we deal with finances if we're ever going to achieve that sort of economic empowerment and wealth that we want. Um, but in terms of um, just kind of what piece of advice I'd like to leave people with is um, a closed mouth doesn't get fed, right? It's like the cliche, right? I think there's such this, this, um, this understanding of this generalized frustration of not only, not only do we have to be twice as good, work twice as hard, but also the system is rigged against us. And that's all true. And I feel very strongly about saying like, okay, now that you know all that, why would we ever play by the rules? Right? I think that's the point. If you know all of those things, why not go into so-and-so's office and say, hey, here's what I want. I know you haven't done it before, but it doesn't matter. You're going to have to do it now. And you have to go ask these hard questions and have these difficult interactions with people because playing it strictly by the rule book is never going to get us anywhere. You know, and that's the thing. Like I've cut my fair share of corners and I've pushed a lot of boundaries and it's all, you know, within reason. But I think that's what really helped me get to where I am. I think same, I think Rem, I think Rem's cut his fair share of corners and, and you know, found back doors into things because that's what you have to do, especially if you know that the system is designed for you not to succeed. Mm-hmm. Playing rules isn't going to get you anywhere. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Get to it. That's, yeah. that's my last piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I think, like, the reality is, like, I, I do believe in, you know, um, like, some degree of, like, a healthy version of paying your dues, like, in terms of, yeah, like, like, <laughs> You know that like Malcolm Gladwell thing of like you know like ten thousand hours or something like that. Like my friends used to say like it's like that, but like ten thousand hours like in these streets. You know, <laughs> it's like those are the dues to pay. Like, have you really been like a participant in the culture that you write about? It's like yes. Like I really like no. I didn't like necessarily like pay my dues within an institution, but. I do felt, I feel like by the time I really started writing, I was beginning to like pay my dues in terms of someone who should be listened to based off of like the way he lives his life and like the things that he would be doing even if he didn't have a job. Like Mm -hmm. I was going to be going to music shows even if I didn't have a press pass, you know, like I would be writing about these things even if I did not have all these followers or did not have a manager, you know, I would still be doing this stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah I just you know I really um echoing what Jermaine said I think a hard thing for me and I still struggle with it is that notion of you know like part of speaking up is like really understanding like what's the worst that could happen Mm -hmm. um but you know I'm one of those people who like has like insane anxiety so when someone's like what's the worst that could happen i'm like well let me list you 50 (laughs) (laughs) but once once i get i get it all out of my system i'm like oh yeah like it's not that bad you know like whatever like i just have to like let myself be crazy (laughs) oh yeah if i send the email to the person they could i don't know like block me and like maybe start a rumor about me or they could just respond to the email and be like okay (laughs) 
like my brain is always like the worst thing they could say is no. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, like, like I sent an email asking if I could like, like move projects. And like, I was, I, I, I read and reread the email like for an hour. And then like literally I was like, the worst possible answer is like, no, you can't move projects. And I have to go to the same meeting that's already on my calendar. <laughs> it's like, what's the, like, but if I yep. ask, if I ask and it says yes, then suddenly I'm now doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what an amazing world. But like, no one's just gonna, like, this is actually a real thing from journalism. Like, there had gotten to a point where I had really outgrown writing about certain things. Mm-hmm. But I was still pretty good at it. So like by 2017, I was like, if you ask me to write one more thing about Drake, I will jump out of a window. <laughs> like I can't <laughs> do it anymore. But why would they ever just be like, you know what? We've had enough of your Drake writing, move on. Mm-hmm. Because it's successful for them. They're yeah. not gonna know that I have moved on or I might have new interests unless I stand up and like, hey, can I do something else? Mm-hmm. So that like, there's this like, reading of minds that we expect people to do mm-hmm. because it bails us out of having to ask for things yeah like, like why didn't you like why didn't you give me a raise like why didn't you <laughs> give me this opportunity it's like well I mean I had all shit to think about you know like I wasn't, sorry, I wasn't thinking about you the whole time <laughs> if you're gonna keep doing it for this money why would I fight you <laughs> Why would I just like interrupt this thing that's going well for me to be like, you know what, go be experimental. <laughs> like, but if you make a good case for it, then it's like, you know what, you're completely right. So like, I completely agree with your man. You just gotta, at some point you just gotta be like, like, let me, let me just say how I feel. And it, the fear is like all lizard brain, like all of the, all the fear is like, it's completely made up, so it's, but I, like I said, I still allow myself to do the whole thing. Know yourself. Yeah, know yourself. <laughs> no, that's great. I definitely agree, like what you said, the fear is made up, and then also if you don't ever say anything, like no one's gonna know. I completely agree with that. That's definitely true. Um, so a question for both of you, what other projects do you guys have coming up, and maybe how did you get involved in those projects? We're doing, I'm, Rem's doing a half hour television show. We're going to sell it. I'm going to, and I'm, and we have to have a full conversation, but I want him to star in it. Uh, that would be so cool. He should. I'm, I have no like actual voice. Like my voice in this situation is not probably the, oh, you're in it now. that'd be really cool. You're in. I'm very, I'm very anti putting myself on camera, but um, I've, I've been, <laughs> I've seen crazier things happen. Worst that could happen. What's, what's, <laughs> yeah, what's the worst that can happen? I can actually get a haircut. It could be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's there's a bunch of things going on. That's something that um, I'm really excited about. Um, and we, I mean, Rember wrote it. He wrote, you know, he wrote a really great half hour about the experience of his, and it just seems so fitting to be something that he should be he should be the actual face of as well. So that's that's something that I'm really excited about right now. There's, I mean a handful of other things that I'm working on, but I, that's, you know, for the sake of this conversation and Rem being right here, this is something I'm very excited about doing next. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've said it, so remember you have to be in it because wow. now you put it out there. Now I'm expecting it. <laughs> this is all part of my plan. I was waiting for the question. 
let me air them out on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, like, it, like, idea time is over. It's time to start writing some stuff, you know? I think, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is like a really interesting time for me because I've never had a job that wasn't directly about the writing that I'm doing since I've been a writer. But having this job and a job that I like, um, it also like, I'm not, I'm able to create this idea with Jermaine like at a like at a at a comfortable pace where it's not like if I can't figure this out right now, I don't have a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But I also like part of what's happening now is like I have to also like get myself in that like sense of urgency mindset because mm-hmm. that's very um I've just seen that happen to other folk where it's like well, if, if it's not a priority, then like a year, two years, three years go by. And then like the kind of energy around that idea that was very good in the moment has kind of come and gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love, I mean, quarantine has been really good for me in terms of like setting aside time, like uninterrupted time to like actually work on stuff where it's not like oh let me try to like I got like two free hours let me try to knock out this tv idea it's like (laughs) oh no like we don't have meetings on Fridays so like guess what I'm doing on Friday like and it but it doesn't it feels like it feels like work but it also feels like fun again like Mm -hmm. there's a there's a certain element of like play that is nice with it where it's like I can just have fun coming up with this idea there's not the like there's not someone over my shoulder. I mean, Jermaine is always over my shoulder, but he's like back at the back of the room. He's not like right here. So, um, but I also, you know, I didn't want to come out of quarantine being like, cool, so what are we doing? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to come out being like, we got, we got things moving, you yeah. know? So like, that's also where, like, that, that's where the sense of urgency really comes from, which is like, wait, everything hit pause. Like, yeah this is like like not that I I, like not that I need to be in this like hyper productivity mode that feels crazy but it's like when the spirit compels like that's what happened a couple weeks ago like the spirit just came over me and next thing I know is just like you know I'm like when those when those moments happen I have to be ready to just like be like everything else shut off like Mm -hmm. put some stuff down so yeah yeah I think quarantine's been great just for creating because there's not really the same like you were saying the same distractions so I know like I was I was off in the spring term and so it was cool which I already was planning on doing but it was cool because like you could just write like it wasn't like oh class and then a club meeting and then this and that um yeah I definitely agree yeah so last question for you both what's one thing you did not know before becoming a manager or writer that you wish you had known um let's see I mean I wish I knew beforehand how neurotic writers are. <laughs> really, like, and it's been it's been such a learning experience. And I, I actually, because thank God, I, I genuinely have 
deep love for the people I work with, which is like, you know, I, I don't know if everybody can say that, but I genuinely love people I work with. Mm-hmm. So I have a problem being a part-time therapist, but I just wish I would have known that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my answer is very, very similar. Like, I'm glad that I wish I would have gotten a therapist earlier <laughs> <laughs> to have someone to talk to. Because, <laughs> you know, I didn't know. I don't know. It's. It, I, I, I don't really ever stop being a writer. Like, even on vacation, like, it's just not, it's just not something that I turn off, I can turn off. Mm-hmm. Like, how I act on it, like, if I'm, like, on vacation and I see something, I'm like, so I got to go, I got to go cover the story for two weeks, <laughs> I'm, like, a terrible person. But if I see something, I'm like, huh noted and then like I can go on with my life like that's like I didn't know that I wasn't gonna be able to turn this shit off you know um and I'm yeah I mean but I do think I I think in terms of like I do think I would have like if I if I could have like figured out like a uh, a balance earlier mm-hmm. you know like I didn't know that t- like also Twitter was going to be a part of my life like in terms of like being online all the time yeah for a decade like I didn't know that going in either mm-hmm. so like I think I probably would have told myself a little bit like be a little less online mm-hmm. I uh for lots of reasons, I think for personal reasons. Also, like there was a point where I was just like tweeting like all of my good thoughts, and I was <laughs> like, "I'm just giving out free game right now." And I like, could have been a book. This could have been an article. What am I doing? Like, keep these thoughts for myself, um, not like in a stingy way. I was just like, "Man, that was that was a whole piece right there." Why did I say that? You know. So, um, I mean, ultimately, like the platform is. I'm not where I am without the platform. So. Mm-hmm very privileged of it but I just I thought that it was gonna feel like a job mm-hmm. just like a job like the thing I did and I clock out and it's just like part of me um and I'm and I'm but I'm thankfully I'm, I'm fine with that yeah I mean sorry I know I said last question but I have to ask because you mentioned being on Twitter a lot I guess how do you balance like or how do you control how much time you spend on Twitter now? Like, are you like, okay, I'm only on during these hours? Um, how do you manage that? I, um, I'm going to chime in here. Rem is the master of like the social blackout. Like he will just stop talking to anybody anywhere for at least a few hours. Wow. There's a, there, there's a dig in there somewhere, but um, <laughs> generally envy it because I know like if I text you and you don't get back to me four hours later that you didn't even care. And I'm like, that would drive me crazy. Like I'd be anxious about it. <laughs> I I used to be a a much flakier person than I am now Um, but I do pride I do need I I do have to step away and I do do like a couple like full like I guess you know like here's like an actual way to think about it like I used to have a Twitter tab open not just as a tab like individually like 
on my screen, like refreshing at all times mm -hmm. for like seven years. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't miss anything, but also I started this like gradual pullback where it's like, how much is my life changing if I don't find out about that thing until 4 p.m.? Mm -hmm. And then it was like, maybe I'll just find out tomorrow sometimes, you know? <laughs> so I, I think I, I, try to, I try to use Twitter with like a very intentional. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to use everything very intentional, but it's just like when I'm here, I'm either here, to, I'm like, I'm here to laugh. Mm -hmm. Like Twitter make me laugh or like Twitter <laughs> inform me or Twitter like engage me. And then like once I'm like, once I've spent some time, I'm like, cool. Um, let me go do, let me go live or let me go mm -hmm. do things. Like I think that's actually as a user and as an employee, I'm like, I think I'm using it right. Like I think I'm using it with intentionality is better than, you know, just like letting your eyes glaze over as you just like watch takes all day. So yeah. that's been the way that I use it helpfully where it like, I feel like it, it, it helps with my job and mm -hmm. it helps being a writer. Um, I think it makes you more present in the world. Like, I think that's what I love. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like you're, you're so many people that I know that can't do anything without being on their phone, right? You know, they're always, and that's mm -hmm. the thing. It's like, you know, even right now right like you're so present in this moment because like you've you've fixed that part of like needing to always have the thing refreshing and knowing it allows you just to be in the moment in the place and I are and here but here, the, the reality is like it's not that I'm like I, I'm like better than anyone it's like I just already did my thing where I was glued to my phone like I already had my wave of <laughs> being so sucked in that like every minor drama felt like the biggest thing in the world but then I like go call a homie from Atlanta and be like yo like you hear about this thing <laughs> and she's like I have no idea what you're talking about I'm like, oh, that's so nice uh, <laughs> uh, I love that <laughs> never mind <laughs> ignore me so you know I just think it's also just like like you said just like for me part of being a writer is like being as touched as in touch with reality as possible. And sometimes the internet is as in touch with reality as possible. And sometimes the internet is as out of touch with reality as possible. So it's like when there's like stuff happening in real time on the streets, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Like I'm trying to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's like one of those days where everyone seems to be kind of bored and everyone's <laughs> just talking about something to talk about. It's like, okay, like I'm gonna go over here, mm -hmm. you know, instead of just like jumping into this mess. Cause it's, a day that ends in why, you know, like yeah. that can be messy. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. You guys, this has truly been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show with me. I learned a lot. I know. Yeah. I know. I know everyone else is going to learn a lot. Rembert Brown and Jermaine Johnson, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Jermaine and Rembert are so incredible, and we all have got to keep an eye out for all of their crazy interesting must-watch upcoming projects.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dom's Club. Follow me and the rest of Dom's Club at DominiqueMobley.com, Dom underscore Mobley on Instagram and Twitter, and Dominique Mobley, no spaces between the Dominique and Mobley, on YouTube. See you next time at Dom's Club, and until then, enjoy life.